0: Thank you. Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week we are just going to jump straight into a conversation with Marlene Sokol, our Hillsborough County Education reporter, about the latest crazy stuff going on in the Hillsborough County School Board. When you hear some background noise, it's because Marlene is talking to us from out in a public place rather than her usual quiet space. Marlene, it seems like you come back once a month to tell us about the latest stupid stuff going on in the Hillsborough County School District. I don't know a better word to use than that. Maybe you have a better explanation of what is going on and why are the school board members having what seem to be kid fights.
1: Yeah, and I'm calling this particular controversy clown show, and that's going to be my shorthand. I mean, some people like to put gate at the end of something. I I prefer clown show. Um, And and before we get into clown show, I, I just want to Make two quick points at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite, because as journalists, this is very good copy. Um, but I think we need to remember that first of all, Hillsboro—it's unfortunate because first of all, Hillsboro is in desperate need of a school's tax. I mean, the, the schools are starving; the teachers are not being paid as much as teachers in other districts that do have taxes to support the schools. You know, so that's worth keeping in mind, and this is not going to help. And the second thing is Hillsborough still has a very big problem with reading. Um, The third-grade scores that came out showed that 23 percent of the third-graders in Hillsborough are reading at the lowest level, a level one. That compares to 20 with the rest of the state, and specifically in the urban schools that this administration promised to do whatever it took to teach these kids how to read. Schools like Booker T. Washington, Potter, Just, Sulphur Spring, in some cases more than half the third graders there are reading at level one. So these are serious problems, and I think what Clown Show shows us, it's not that the school board members don't care about these serious issues, but they're spending at least some of their time settling scores with each other.
0: Do you have any idea why they focus on these personality issues rather than on these very serious subjects that you're talking about. Because I know from visiting the schools that people out there don't want their school board to be arguing. They want them to be solving big problems.
1: Well, and, and I would not say, you know, bad, bad school board members because I, I know them well enough to know that they do spend a good bit of their time on the issues. Um, however it is still a very there's still a very big divide between you have the four members who fired Muriel and Ilia and, and they're not all in lockstep with each other, but you still have people loyal to them who, who are angry at the others on the board and you have camps in, in both sides. Each side has its loyalists and its camps. And they've made a career out of trying to undermine the other side. So it's not just the school board members, but it's also their allies and their supporters. And and it goes in both directions.
0: So then let's look at exactly what we're talking about here. You're talking about camps and allies, and we're talking about some emails from one board member landing in the inbox, I guess, of the supporters of another board member and becoming public.
1: Yeah, and the way that worked, uh, just from what I'm told and from what I read in La Caseta, is Melissa Snively, uh, the board member, did not protect her Facebook content as, as carefully as now, I'm sure, she wishes she had. So either at the board dais or in her office, those are the only two places where she thinks it could have happened. She left herself logged on. Somebody went in, we don't know who, and helped themselves to her Facebook content. And she does a lot of her board business on Facebook, which is legal. She communicates with constituents. She communicates with district officials. And sometimes she communicates with other board members. Now, that's not necessarily illegal either, Unless they're discussing something that they are voting on, in which case you have potential, you know, criminality there. But anyway, somebody helped themselves to that content, rummaged through it, handed it over to La caseta and then La caseta printed select passages. I wouldn't say it's representative of everything that Melissa talks about on Facebook, but let's just, you know, the media, we all do it. We publish what we think is, is going to be controversial, and that's what happened.
0: So how is that any different then, as if, besides the stealing or walking in part, but it's public record, is it not? So couldn't anybody just have walked in and said, I request to look at your Facebook page?
1: Yeah, absolutely, that's an excellent point, because people online have been saying, well, it should be public record. It is. You or me or the, La Caseta or not just a journalist, but anybody in the community— can make a public records request for all Facebook content, all faxes, all texts, all emails, any written communication coming from an elected school board official that pertains to school district business. And it is a public record, and anybody can do it. Now, why don't they do it? I don't know. Maybe we will someday. But the reality of doing such a search is you would have to go through the public records office through Tanya Arja, She would then have to ask the school board members for them. So you're trusting them to turn everything over. And then she would have to redact anything that has a student's name or a parent's name or a social security number and throw out anything that doesn't pertain to board business. Like, do you want to get lunch today? You know, that, that, so it is time consuming. It does cost money and any one of us could do that. But the reality is we didn't. And La Gasseta didn't. They they took something that was leaked, for lack of a better word. You know, but just because it's leaked doesn't mean it's illegal. It happens all the time.
0: Now, some teachers got involved in this whole controversy as well. Some of their communications with board members became public and they found themselves on defense as well. How did all that tie in?
1: Well, and this was one teacher. Now, there may be more because we haven't seen any everything yet, but it was Ryan Huszynski, and Ryan is not just a teacher. He's also a blogger. He has a podcast, and he has kind of made himself, I guess, a spokesperson for teachers or, or a leader among teachers. And so... He was, and and the context of this, this happened about six months ago. Um, There had been some statements, board members had made some very negative statements about the teachers and the teachers union. And and teachers were tired of being disrespected by the board. So Ryan was going to make a speech and say, I think... Melissa Snively should be the next board chair and Lynn Gray should be the vice chair. And out of protocol, he wanted to run that idea by them before he made this public speech. And he didn't have a a phone number for Lynn Gray. So he sent both of them a Facebook message. Now, had Melissa responded to it, it could have been interpreted as a violation of Sunshine Law because it was a three-way conversation. Lynn Gray had been contacted as well. So hypothetically, if the three of them had been discussing who the next board chair is going to be, you could make a case that, that that was criminal. But Melissa, was; she said she was very careful. She did not respond. And then Lynn didn't even get the message until months later. So I think it's kind of a stretch to say anybody broke the law there. but ryan did not get dragged into this mess he inserted himself into a decision on who the next chair and vice chair should be and and that's how this teacher ended up in the middle of in the middle of the clown show
0: and the and the discussions that they've had not necessarily with ryan but with others too where they're suggesting maybe we can get another board member on who's smart Uh, those kinds of comments seem like they would just be destined to create bad blood and trouble on the board table.
1: Yeah. And also the catty comment that Melissa made about April Griffin. She looks older than 48. I'm sure she is wishing that she had not done that. I think all of us and probably you and me included, you know, sometimes we forget that anything that we write or type or, or, email could come back to haunt us And when I spoke to Melissa last week, she said, yeah, I'm embarrassed and I regret some of the things I I said. You know, it is a lesson for all of us in the electronic age, but Lynn Gray comes out looking particularly bad because you see her kind of rambling on and on about Stacey White and about Earl Leonard and about, you you, you know, just, just all kinds of machinations and, I would encourage anybody who has not yet done so to go online, search for the La Caceta article, and that'll show you the actual Facebook messages, um, which we do not link to it in our story, in my story, but you really want to read both. You want to see what they said, which was, you know, carried in La Caceta, and then the response, which was in, in my story on Friday.
0: So... This is all coming right before, like you said, an effort to possibly ask voters for a tax of some sort, but also right before several seats on the school board come up for election. How is this all going to play out in political terms? Or is it just something that's a tempest in a teapot where a handful of people are paying attention and most people don't care?
1: Well, I don't think it's a tempest in a teapot because I think people on both sides are pushing, and it and it is a, a thread. It is a very thin thread, but they are pushing to, to see if, if, if maybe a crime has been committed and maybe they can get some attention on it from law enforcement. In terms of the political season, I had a phone call last night from someone who's very involved in, in the school system and disgusted with this whole thing, who, who said, I think all seven of them have to go. And and there could be some people who are looking for candidates to jump into some of these races at the last minute. Melissa Snively is up for re-election. April announced that she's not running for re-election, so that countywide seat is wide open. And then Sally Harris has two opponents right now, one very well-funded, Stacey Hahn, who could be competition for Sally Harris. So I think things will get will heat up a little bit more on the campaign trail. And who knows, there could be some people who come in because, uh, you know, others in the community are pushing them and are and are just so disgusted with this with the status quo.
0: It just seems like this is a situation that never ends. I thought that when Marielle and Elia left and the board sort of settled down, that we might see some some stability and some some positive movement. And Was that ever a sense or was there always sort of an undercurrent of infighting from the very beginning that this was going to flare up again and again?
1: Well, it's not just infighting because the players have changed. But the thing to keep in mind was, you know, Mary Ellen, first of all, she had like deep reach into the community, business community, McDill, lots of constituents. But within the administration, you're you're looking at an organization at the time had about 29,000 employees people at the top who were very loyal to her, whose whose fortunes had risen with hers. And so, yeah, there was bound to be pushback and there was bound to be pushback against the four school board members who fired her. So, you know, those divisions have always been there. and, And now in an age of social media, you know, you had the whistleblower, which was created out of people who resented the fact that the superintendent had been fired. And uh, so a lot of grist for the mill there and and a lot of public shaming of the four, four, be- four board members who fired her. In fact, people who are loyal to those four, and I'm not going to use the sexist uh, nickname that, that some that the mayor gave them, but people who are loyal to those four say, well, this is payback. Because for years, these four board members have been embarrassed and humiliated um, by their enemies in the administration and on the board. And so they've kind of turned the tables and they found something embarrassing about their rivals and made it public.
0: It was just interesting to see uh, Sue Carlton's column questioning, you know, why are we talking about rivals on the school board? And I guess that's kind of where this all comes down to. These are supposedly people who care about the schools. And you said that they're involved deeply in a lot of issues, but it's just not the same issues and not for the same people. And so they've become rivals.
1: Yeah. And, and to their defense, I would say they are concerned about issues. I have seen them advocate for issues. I have seen them in the schools working with teachers, with children. And at- and again, I don't want to be a hypocrite. We're, we're journalists, too. We can't criticize La Caseta when here we are writing about the controversy as well. So it's it's important to keep that in perspective. They, they are at each other's throats, but I don't think they're all bad. And I think this is very unfortunate, but it, it could get worse and it could go criminal.
0: Well, that's a perfect way to end. So, Marlene, I thank you again for joining us and hopefully... In a month or maybe another week or two, we'll we we'll be able to talk about something else that's going on in Hillsborough County Schools.
1: Yeah, let me make one final pitch for teaching the kids how to read. Uh, I had somebody in the district's public relations office ask me if I would do a feature about, you know, something that's happening to help the kids in Booker T. Washington Elementary School. And my answer was, I will write a story when the kids are reading at grade level. So I look forward to writing that story. I really do. And
0: we look forward to reading it because you do a lot of good stuff out there. So thank you, Marlene.
1: All right. Thank you, Jeff.
0: That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate in this or any other of our conversations, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. Continue to visit our blog for the latest in education-breaking news, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. I'm reporter Jeff Solichek, and thanks again for listening to The Gradebook Podcast.